Good afternoon and thank you for joining me again for Business, The Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program we'll have a look at one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This one's uh, Make Feedback Feel Normal. We're also talking with Christina, uh, Five Steps to Understanding Your Why. But right now we're going to cross over to Baker Love Lawyers, have a chat with Rebecca McKenzie about surveillance in the workplace. Good afternoon, Rebecca. Good afternoon, Julian. Thanks for having me back. Thank you for joining us again. And uh, I suppose uh, surveillance in the workplace, can you give us a bit of a background to this issue of workplace surveillance? Sure. So we regularly hear about it in the news in terms of you know people recording or filming neighbours doing silly things or people being caught out saying nasty things on public transport. And let's face it, in the digital age, the ease of recording someone or recording some act or thing has never been easier. Mm. Um, and these days, you know, you've got CCTV cameras everywhere. They're watching traffic. They're on ATMs. They're on public transport. But it's also very common now in a more private setting like the workplace to have these sorts of mechanisms in place. So the laws relating to um, workplace surveillance via video have been around for many years in various forms, but the laws didn't cover areas like tracking devices in vehicles and I guess more recently and relevantly monitoring employee email use and internet use and other computer use. So now we have legislation to cover these more technology-based areas. Um, And just to make it more difficult, Julian, the laws are different from state to state. So (laughs) that can be a bit of a complicating factor for some businesses that are operating nationally. So what are some of the basic rules? And obviously we're talking New South Wales. uh, What can employers legally do? Yes, so in New South Wales we have two um, main pieces of legislation being the Workplace Surveillance Act and the Surveillance Devices Act and within those laws employers are well within their rights to monitor employees but there are some strict limitations. So in the workplace setting, um, of course, employers might be very keen to monitor and record things that might indicate a breach of company policy and procedure, um, to check on appropriate standards of behaviour, for example, to make sure they're being met by employees, but also monitoring things like company property, um, so vehicles and equipment and other things like um, confidential information and intellectual property. Employers are very mindful of wanting to make sure that they're not being damaged. They're very valuable resources belonging to the employer. So of course businesses want to do everything they can to protect those. Mm. So it's important to keep in mind that there is a difference between overt and covert surveillance. So Overt surveillance occurs where employees are given written notice of the surveillance before it happens, um, or alternatively, employers can monitor covertly, uh, so in secret, but only in circumstances where the employer has first obtained court approval to do so. So this is more reserved where there's a suspicion of a crime being committed, for example, but it's a very technical process, so employers do need to tread carefully. So that would be something like theft, would it be? 
Yes, theft, fraud, mm. uh, other sorts of commissions of crime, you know, maybe in relation to accessing um, you know, illegal material, etc. So if there is a concern about that, then employers can preempt that and apply to a court to do secret surveillance. Mm. Otherwise, it needs to be disclosed to employees. So that's why you see signs up at a lot of places saying this area is under uh, surveillance. That's right, definitely. There has to be that, that notice. So, so what are the most popular area of surveillance in a workplace? Yeah, sure. So computer surveillance is generally the most prevalent type of monitoring, but you know it can cover other areas like camera surveillance in the workplace. That's becoming more common in terms of, particularly for security reasons, uh, in relation to protecting employees and property, um, but also tracking surveillance, so GPS on vehicles, for mm. example, and that can be particularly important uh, in the road transport industry, for example, and also listening devices as well. So I'll talk a little bit more about that. But in terms of the computer surveillance um, that people may be more familiar with, that's things like monitoring um, information being um, input or output relating to the computer. So things like checking emails sent and received, accessing internet websites, monitoring what employees are doing in that regard. Um, Even out of hours work from home, for example, can be monitored, but there's some different sort of procedures in place in relation to that. Um, But in terms of the process, as I said before, if it's being done um, in an overt way, so with notice, then a written notice or a warning effectively must be provided to the employees. And that notice has to be given at least 14 days prior to the Mm. commencement of the monitoring on the computer. And it also needs to cover off certain, be in a certain form and provide certain details as to the type and duration of the surveillance. So just complying with the laws from an employer point of view is quite technical and similar provisions apply in relation to camera surveillance. The cameras must be placed in a clearly visible area Um, but balanced against that privacy restrictions also apply so an employer can't carry out any surveillance in a change room for example or a bathroom facility or a shower etc. So obviously it's just a bit of common sense there in relation to those private matters relating to employees. Are there other areas of surveillance that the employees, employers might utilise? Yeah, so another one that I mentioned that's, I guess, more prevalent now is relating to GPS tracking on vehicles. And that's, I guess, particularly common in the trucking industry, um, you know, in terms of monitoring safety of employees and valuable goods being transported, etc. Um, and there's also a related uh, work health and safety aspect to that too, because companies can use that surveillance on trucks, for example, to make sure workers are taking proper rest breaks and complying with those sorts of things. Um, I mentioned listening devices, that's a bit of a tricky area. It can be difficult to implement um, a process in relation to that because there are strict prohibitions on recording of private Mm. conversations, although there are exceptions to that um, in certain industries, like in the telemarketing industry, for example, um, that it is common in that industry. We're probably all familiar with that yes. line about, you know, you're being recorded over the telephone, just to make sure that certain standards are being met from a quality control point of view. Um, but there was actually a recent case concerning some Sydney uh, council parking offices, and this was quite topical. And one employee was sacked, and the other tendered a resignation when one of their body cameras, so a piece of equipment 
statement they were actually wearing um, recorded a private conversation between the pair and they were disparaging and belittling a superior. So effectively, effectively it was a bagging the boss type situation mm-hmm. about their appearance and personal life and other comments about another employee being racist and so on. And so some workplace laws came into effect there in relation to resignations and terminations. So it's definitely a, an area to take very seriously. So so I'm an employer. What happens if I breach one of these? What, what can I expect? Yeah, well... Um, hefty fines can apply if um, if there are breaches. So and also imprisonment in a worst case scenario. Mm. Uh, that's if certain uh, compliance doesn't happen in relation to the proper you know notice and use of workplace surveillance. So it can be quite serious. So any employers considering the use of workplace surveillance, if if they are implementing it, they need to have a policy and procedure in place that provides for that notification and compliance with the laws. So if employers don't have this sort of documentation in place, they they need to get onto that. Um, And another thing to keep in mind too, from the employer perspective, is that if there are breaches and it has been recorded or monitored, then if proper notice hasn't been given to employees, then it's very difficult to rely on that evidence obtained. So if, mm. if it's to support a case relating to unfair dismissal or a case relating to the misuse of intellectual property or confidential information, if the monitoring and recording isn't done in the, in the proper fashion, then it may not be able to be used. So it's very important to follow the proper legal process. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time and those great tips. And we'll have a chat with you again in about uh, three weeks' time. Sounds great. Thanks, Julian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Time to pop over to Christina for our discussion on innovation. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you today? I'm very well. We're going to do five steps to understanding your why. Yeah, so it's actually how do you harness the power of that why. I was so fortunate the other day to hear Simon Sinek speak, uh, and then that was followed by a, a workshop with a wonderful gentleman by the name of Peter Docker, who is part of the Start With Why team. And there's actually five steps that, that need to be involved. So, like, understanding what your why is, your purpose, is only the very first step um, that an organisation um, comes up with. And one of the things Simon said that really struck me, well, it's funny saying Simon said, isn't it? Um, but one, one of the things that really struck me was when he said, ideas without action are hallucinations. So that was mm. a, a big takeaway for me from the day. But so starting with why is the first step in the process. And we've spoken about that in the past, so we kind of might skip over step one. Um, but the next step that Peter Docker mentioned in relation to actually actioning your why is right to your thinking. And the way he explained that was, a lot of the times we stand in the present, identify a problem, but we look to the past. We use our experience from the past to find our way forward. And, and it's all it's fine to do that. However, any innovations that we make, any changes that we make, we're going to be incremental. So he suggests if we look at the past, present, future, and that's kind of a left-to-right thinking, we start ourselves in the future. What do we want the outcome to be? Mm. So stand in the future, what are we going to achieve? How are we going to do that? And it's, it's like the story that we have told um, before about, you know, JFK said, hey, we're going to put a man on the moon, and then everybody went, right, okay, so how are we going to get there? So you stand in the present, but say, where do we want to be in the future, and use your past experiences after that in order to help you get there. So that's right to left thinking. The next step in that process is adaptive leadership. 
So, you know, they actually talked about if you don't know what the answer to a problem is, put your hand up, say, I don't know what the answer is, and then use the band's trust in the room to help you get there. Um, Adaptive challenges often come through the limbic brain, so it's not the logic. Often it's not logical where we find some solutions to problems. Uh, And one of the the other takeouts that I I had in this particular section was if Einstein said he was given 30 minutes to to solve a problem, he would would take 25 minutes trying to actually understand what the problem was. Five five minutes to solve it. Yeah, five minutes to solve it, because if you have a real thorough understanding, it's like when we work with our clients. Mm. If we have a thorough understanding of where they're coming from, what problem it is that they need to solve, you know, that thorough understanding will lead to a solution. So the next step after adaptive um, leadership is being and doing. Of course, you know, these weren't much longer explanations. I know we're on a time limit, so um, being and doing. So as managers, who are we actually being and how do other people see us? So what we want to do is inspire others to give us the support that we need in order to solve the problems. And it's that whole word around inspiration, you know, a charismatic leader, somebody who can put the message out there and and then empower people to solve that problem. Mm. Uh, And, don't you know, actually to to who you are being in any present moment is really important in any business sense, you know, whether you're the client or whether you're the the, um, person trying to provide a service. The last part is in the relationship. So... The relationship is the foundation of any accomplishment, as we know. So it's the conversations that we have. Um, but also, not only what's the conversation and the relationship with our clients, but what's the relationship to the purpose of our organisation related to the purpose of our client's organisation? How do they come together? Where's the deeper meaning in all that? Where's the deeper accomplishment? And again, it comes back to inspiring and then through the inspiration, gathering as many ideas as you can to solve problems. You know, to, to come back to, to what is it that you want the world to achieve? What do you want the world? How do you want the world to be a better place when you've finished? And talking about solving problems, it was a fantastic use of the 3D printer this week. Oh, how amazing was that? So they've printed um, a house, a mini house. Oh, it's not really a mini house. It's kind of three rooms of a house. Um, but they've done it for $10,000. It includes a bedroom, a living room, and a kitchen. Uh, and if you have a look into the whole tiny house movement that's also occurring at the moment, the downsizing, how perfect. What more mm. do you need? Somewhere to cook, somewhere to sleep, and somewhere to live. So it's quite incredible. $10,000, 3D printing, bizarre. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your time, Christina. We'll have a chat with you again next week. Look forward to it, Julian. Have a great week. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. We've got time for a Harvard Business Review tip. As we said earlier, make feedback feel normal. Let's face it, giving and receiving feedback can be uncomfortable. To make it easier, you don't necessarily have to get better at saying the exact right thing. You just need to practice. If you see someone doing something they can improve, offer your observations right away. Don't wait until your next meeting to provide your input. Give it in the moment. You want a little time as possible between identifying and discussing the problem. After you address the problem, offer a patch-up to help them know that you respect them. The biggest predictor of whether someone will become defensive after presented with feedback is the motive behind it. If they know you're trying to help them and hold them accountable, they're less likely to push back. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at the important legal aspect there of surveillance in the workplace. 
and five steps to understand your why. Why are you in business? In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll talk about team dynamics and the culture that increases productivity with Kelvin Holiday from the Transformational Group. We'll have a minute on innovation with Christina and we'll have some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Henry Ford once said, if everyone is moving forward together, then success takes care of itself. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.